0: Welcome to this episode. Let's chat. I'm your host Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Amazing guest today. We have Lindsay Goldwert, so funny, a former online editor for a bunch of different news websites that you definitely have gone to. Uh, we talk a lot about her trans- uh, her time working in the uh, the news in the newsroom. Uh, I'm not going to give you the joke, but I want you to know that there's a punchline. That is tragedy pizza, so you got to listen to hear it. Uh, That thing that I think about that a lot. Lindsay is so nice, and here's why. Myself and uh, Jimmy LaChase, who was a guest host, and Lindsay recorded this uh, a little while back, and uh, we due to technical difficulties couldn't post it. So I wrote to Jimmy and Lindsay, and Lindsay, I was like, "Hey, I'm really sorry. I couldn't use the episode. You're, uh, I'd love to have you back on sometime if you ever want to do it again." And uh, this has happened before a couple of times with people. Lindsay was like, oh, that's no problem. I have a free hour at like this time. Do you want to do it today? And I, I'm pretty sure I have the story I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, but I'm pretty sure it was like, yeah, let's do it. And so it was like, uh, she was like, don't worry about it. Let's just re- re-record it right now. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming back. On. Um, I, I, I really like this episode a lot. I, I love talking to comics, and I love people who make drastic changes in their life. Um, I'm 31, and I have no big career change paths in my future, but if I did, it's just good to know that it's just good to know you can you can take them. Um, so wonderful episode! Make sure you find uh, Lindsay online at Lindsay Goldwort on Twitter. She is a great writer, a stand-up comedian, and she also hosts shows in Sunnyside, Queens. So you New York folks, find them on uh, at Comedy Sunnyside on Twitter. They have, or sunnysidecomedy.nyc, they have a weekly kick-ass stand-up show, a weekly kick-ass stand-up comedy at Maggie Mays and Sunnyside, 41-15 Queens Boulevard. I don't really live in Queens or get to New York that often, but I'd still love to go to that show, and so should you. Make sure you go find them online and uh, go to that show and be like, hey, Lindsay, uh, we, uh, we heard you on Let's Chat, and it was awesome. A quick update about me. I had uh, the pleasure of being a guest on the Film Pasture podcast. It was uh, a lot of fun. I was a guest along with uh, David Brooke from Blueprint Media. They had me on and we talked about getting screeners and booking guests. I had more experience with the uh, booking guest part. Uh, It's a great film podcast. I can't wait to get um, Vern on this show. He was... Just the nicest fucking dude, and it was cool to have him it's just i love po- I love to be a guest in a podcast some podcast. I'll uh, thankfully have some uh, more guest spots coming up. make sure you find us on Let's, uh, the internet on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast on Twitter. there's a Facebook page and uh let me know what you think uh, send me a send me a fa- a message the the Twitter or facebook or email Chat podcast at gmail.com Do you want a guest? Do you know someone who wants to guest? And as always, find us on our wonderful podcast network, TheMisfitsNetwork.com. Last but not least, I recorded this the same week um, as the episode with JP from Beach Slang where there's some audio hiccups on my recording side. Now, this episode does sound fine. Um, it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's just not the standard I wanted it to be, but my audio is a little muffled. and But Lindsay sounds wonderful, and she talks more than me because she's way more interesting but it's definitely lesson to above and uh we'll be back next monday. The hard the hard never thought that it would take it this far now i'm in the limelight, cuz i'm tight time to get paid, blow up like the world train silver, the opposite of the will remember when i used to eat sardines for dinner Easter the broad jean Brucey B, get to bring folks last flex love buck star street well um we'll welcome back for um how, how are things? I, you know, it's funny, because um, I'm on a sick day, just because um, oh. I can, and uh, so I was watching the Call Me Lucky documentary, and it was making me actually think of you and Jimmy, because oh. um, he was the one who told me, I think, I must have heard about it elsewhere, but I know Jimmy had done that show with, uh, with Barry. Barry, yeah, I only got about 20 minutes into it, I didn't get to the heavy stuff.
1: Yeah, he he's great Barry is really great. Um I got to go see him um in a really small space um and he he was really fantastic and it was uh it was very exciting. You know, there's not a lot of earnestness in comedy these days. Everyone's very kind of ironic and you know, everyone's afraid to appeal to people's hearts. It doesn't seem like a cool thing to do. Uh, but I really ad- admired that, and it wasn't just about the, his his you know his trauma of being molested as a kid, but just about politics in general. Um, and he's also just funny as hell. He's just really funny, sharp guy in this real old school you know pissed off liberal way, which you don't really hear as much. You know, it seems very earnest.
0: Yeah, and I think when it does happen, like, the only one I can think of, like, so my comedy knowledge will probably not nearly be as deep as yours, but, like, I, I could go Mar, I mean. and, but, like, he's fucking smug as shit, so, like, sometimes I <laughs> like it, and then sometimes I don't like it. I get to a point where I'm kind of, like, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm kind of over irony.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, also, Barry also yells. He yells a lot, and he, you know, he he wants you to listen to what he has to say. And a lot of people don't like being yelled at, and they don't want to be told what to think. You know, people just he's he's not for everybody. Some people just they they don't want to feel like they're in school. Um, but I'm a little older and I'm, I'm a, I'm a watcher of PBS. So I will, I will sit and listen patiently to have someone, uh, <laughs> make their argument to me, which is unusual for a comic, I think.
0: Yeah. No, it's, I, I definitely had never heard of him until this documentary. I must have think it must, he must have, he and Bobcat must have been on WTF at some point because that's probably when I heard about the documentary. And I, I just love documentaries. I was like, Oh, all right.
1: But then yeah. I yeah, I like documentaries, too. Whenever I come home, um, I always find my husband watching The Fog of War, which is a very, very disturbing to Errol Morris documentary about uh, Robert McNamara and the Vietnam War. It's like the most disturbing, upsetting documentary. My husband watches it all the time. Why do you keep watching this horrifying documentary? It's, like, it's amazing, and I recommend it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, let's just keep watching the apocalypse. Let's keep watching it over and over again. And he finds it very calming.
0: Hey, yeah, hey, and that's when people like we, uh, we like to hang in that state of panic, and then that's when things are okay.
1: I, I, I guess so. He's a weird guy. Married a weirdo.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he did it right. <laughs>
1: guess so. Hope so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like I'll um, like I I try to sometimes I'll just get in this place where I'm like, oh, I really want to see this powerful, pointy documentary. But then I'm like, so I work for like a behavior health company. So there are times where I'm like, I don't want to see this fucked up shit all the time. No, I see that. Yeah, for sure. And um,
1: but I try to like watch, watch the art of killing, and I was like, I
0: I I can't do
1: that. No. Well, that's how I feel, you know, um, you and I talked about this, and I used to work in, in the newsroom um, in, in journalism for 12 years, and I have no desire to watch any shows about journalistic corruption or or about um, the newsroom. Like, I've already been screamed at in a newsroom in real life, and it sucked. <laughs> I don't need to watch Jeff Daniels scream at somebody. I just don't understand the appeal of it. it, means, it I mean, it sounds awful to me. I hated working in a newsroom. I hated it, hated it, hated it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually really fascinated. I'm glad you brought that up because I really wanted to talk about that because I think sure. that – I don't know if you uh, – that show was terrible just in case. Was
1: it? I refused to watch it. The newsroom, it was terrible. It just sounded like a, lot of, like a lot of lecturing. A lot of like, this is what it means to be a journalist. This is what it means to tell the truth. And it's like, shut up. It's like, I, uh, it's like Actually, in a newsroom, everyone is just screaming you to get it up first. Just make, don't, make sure CBS doesn't get it first. You gotta get it first.
0: Yep. And it was like this awful, awful... The show was supposed to be good, and there's these glimmers of amazingness where it's talking about, like, news in real time, and then it would have, like, the weakest sub... Like, so, like, uh, his... The main character's ex-wife, they end up working together again, blah, 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 you know. Surprise! And she's supposed right. to be this brilliant journalist and all this stuff, and this is an actual plotline from the show... She can't figure out how to send a text, an email, or a text message, that accidentally emails the entire, whatever company they're supposed to be that she
1: cheated on him, and that's a plot line. While that, that happens in the newsroom all the time to women, we are just so we don't know. We can cover, you notice know we can cover the war in Iraq, but we just can't control our personal lives. It's just, so we just, we're just, we're just romantic messes. We're like Jessica Simpson, you know. That's what we all are. <laughs>
0: She's an insult to mankind sometimes. Though I, I, I did watch that show.
1: Well, I, everyone watched because it was Aaron Sorkin, every, you know, but I, I just, I don't know. I've I worked in a lot of different places, and I've been screamed at in a lot of different newsrooms, and I never enjoyed it, and I never... That that part of it
0: is true, like the smug
1: asshole boss and fucking yells. at him. Uh, I, 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 I c- kind of. I mean, I, you know, this it's interesting. I worked um on, in the web division versus the TV. I, I only worked at, I worked at Court TV, um, before my illustrious career as a comedian. Um, I worked at uh, ABC uh, News dot com, CBS News dot com, but I worked at Court TV, which is at the time was a TV station, um, and. Oh yeah, but, did that make its debut for the OJ trial? You know, I don't know when it actually – I don't know when it – I, I don't know the full story behind it, I, I'm, I'm, but um, I think that's when it became really popular. And it was a really fun place. That sounds very depraved, but it was actually a really fun place to work. Um, I got screamed at there for accidentally uh, editing a dead body uh, onto a tape and showing it to viewers. I didn't know that was something you shouldn't do. I got screamed at for rolling the prompter for Nancy Grace too slowly – uh, I, I wasn't good at that. I, everyone, I took turns working on her show. I had to like roll the prompter for her and she would just scream at me all the time. Uh, she screamed at me once I walked in on her with, uh, she wasn't wearing any makeup. She screamed at me for that. Um, but she's supposed to be a nice person. It's just a lot of screaming. It's just, it's just the place where in the, in the, in the actual, you know, Where they're the control room, well they'll be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just do it, do it. And then once it's over, people will be very nice to you. It's just very high pressure.
0: I don't watch any of those shows. Like I know of Nancy Grace, she's kind of
1: a. You're not a hundred. You're not a hundred years old. Yeah, that could be why. Who would sit and watch and, and like? Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut to the to the jury's box. So they're still they're still at recess. (laughs) <laughs> it was like murder
0: half the time it was... We're, I, I'm 31 are we in the eight, same age range Yeah I'm a little, older, a little older So like I remember when the OJ trial Happened I was in middle school I remember being like in the nurse's office or something And one of the moms coming to pick up a student She must have been a stay at home mom But I just remember that was the I remember this thought so specifically Hearing like the nurses and then The school nurses and this mom talking about The OJ trial in such depth And I, I don't know I just remember that was the time I noticed that like like, that trial just went on. It was the talk of the town was a fucking trial. Like, a glove to... It it never it, stopped.
1: People always have this think, you know, what was what was the moment that changed the way we relate to the media? Blah, blah, blah. And they and really, the OJ trial was really the first. I think OJ and Monica Lewinsky were the thing that really just broke this. I mean, there was no social media then, but it really was... It was really crazy. The thing that... um The thing I remember about Court TV, which was... it just, This sounds very sick, um but I just... It was just reminded was um, sometimes we would have bets on on w- which way a verdict would go, you know. And I remember that, um, you know, and, and w- if you thought someone was guilty, and you thought someone was not guilty, you know, we would wait for the verdict. So we would be like, oh, we would get really excited if someone got off or we thought someone was going to be – it was always very shocking. We were always very into it. But then when I went to work for somewhere else, I worked for ABC. I remember we were waiting for the R- I was waiting for the R. Kelly verdict to come in, and everyone was saying, and I said, "He's going to be found not guilty." I knew it because I just, I, he, I felt he was guilty, but I knew he'd be found not guilty. And then when it when it came in, I got up and I like shouted, "I'm like, not guilty! I knew it!" And people looked at me like I was insane, <laughs> like because most places don't give a shit about verdicts other than their news value. But I there was this, but I when I was at Court TV, people really. Got excited over that kind of thing, which is also very sick. But I, I'm a sicko.
0: Which, uh, which, which trial was that for him? Is that when he peed on the girl, or was that?
1: You know, I'm not sure. I, I believe that was a child pornography trial. I, I, I believe that one. Yes, I believe that. His character that he's got so many. Yeah, he's, he's, he, yeah, that's pretty, that's a really gross case. Uh, There's a, if you ever wanted to read more about it, which I don't know why you would, this great journalist named Jim DeRogatis, um, has covered, has spent years covering that case and covering the girls. And that was supposed to be a comedy podcast, but, but there's, um. About non-funny things all the time. That's my favorite. Um, but what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, so there's, there's, it, it's really very depressing. Um, but it, th- there was this real gallows humor at core TV that I really appreciated how people took the, you know, the legal stuff very seriously. There are a lot of really smart lawyers who work there. But, um, the other thing that was interesting about core TV was you either, you came in sort of in the middle, like, are people guilty? Are people not guilty? And you either became this total fry them all prosecutorial type or you became this real lefty like they're all innocent this whole system is corrupt you know real defense oriented person and everyone went in one direction or the other which i thought was fascinating i became more of a lefty type i i because i i always thought i'd be more like well you know the prosecution shows but after working there i'm much more skeptical what what
0: years I thought, did you go to school for journalism obviously
1: I did. I, I went to school for journalism and I actually did um, a journalism project um, where I did live I did live comedy uh, for a semester because I wanted to I secretly wanted to be a stand up comedian. But I was too afraid. So I'm like, oh, I'll do it as part of a journalism project. So I did open mics uh, for a semester and then I uh, and then I wrote about him for a school project and then I stopped doing comedy and I regretted it. Forever until I started doing it again.
0: <laughs> awesome. And do you, how, how long? You said you were 12, 11 years in news.
1: Oh yeah, at least.
0: Wow. So yeah. what, what year are these? Are these? Like, this is all internet news. Like so, the papers have gone through their turmoil yeah.
1: and then the internet is starting to... Yeah, so I worked at... Um, I, I, I wrote for... Um, well, I started out working at, at uh, Red Book Magazine, then I worked at Glamour Magazine, then I went to Court TV, then I worked at CBSNews.com, then ABCNews.com, and then I was at the TheDailyNews.com for a few years, and I got to write for the paper a little bit, too. So I've been all over the place.
0: I just um, watched um that movie Spotlight. I don't know if you got the chance to see
1: it. I haven't seen it yet. Is it good?
0: It's incredible. It's um, The thing I love about it is, like... There's nothing more to it. It's just the story of a good journalist, and they don't do that bullshit movie thing where they throw in a love story. No, and...
1: oh, that's the best.
0: Yeah, it's just all about the one thing, and it, it's just great. But um, I love—I don't know if I—I I love uh, David Simon, the creator of The Wire. I listen to him speak a lot. Like, yeah,
1: he's—he's—you he, know—I like his, a lot of his writing. I don't know if I love him so much as a person. Kind of an—he's an asshole. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole, but um, but I do—you know—like I, I I do like a lot of his writing a lot. You know, he's.
0: I've read his stuff about like the, the death of the, he calls the death of uh, print newspaper came long before the internet and stuff of that nature. But it kind of reminded me about that of how like watching the Spotlight movie was just kind of reminding me of stuff he was saying. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how important good journalism is. Like,
1: my God, it's every, it, it's, I don't know, I, it's so funny. I, I could talk about this so much. And it was, it was funny. I was actually talking to Jimmy about how I get very, cause I like, I, I try to talk a little bit more about topical things on stage. I want to mix it up. And I'm very. I, I read Political Wire every day, uh, so I can stay up, make sure that everything I say is very factual. I don't. I, I don't want because I still am convinced if I say something wrong on stage, I'm going to get called out like on Gawker for like Lindsay gets things wrong. She's an idiot. You know, like I still have this like journalist fact like like I'm going to be fact checked. You know, and Jimmy's like no one's going to fact check you, dude. You know, but I still have that fear that I'm going to get it wrong and some of the audience is going to be like you're an idiot. <laughs>
0: People like to be a lot harder on female comedians than um, male comedians. I don't know why. It sucks. It's just.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, it's very funny. Um, I had a great conversation with a fellow female comic about, I I said to her, you know, she, I'm, I'm married, right? And she is sober. And I said to her, I think being a married comic and a sober comic. It, you miss out on stuff you know you miss out on a lot of the late night stuff and the drama but you're also kind of not missing out you know it's like you feel you know cause I know there's a lot that happens late at night that I'm not really privy to um, but at the same time I'm, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what I'm missing out on at, at this point you know, you know what I'm saying
0: no I agree it's like I remember like in college I would be always that kid and it's like I'd stay to the party to the very fucking end until it turns into almost, almost that weird orgy
1: state Right. Or, or someone picks up the acoustic guitar. Yep.
0: And then, yep. And it's, oh my God, yeah. And now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like fuck that. Like I already, I'm, I'm married too. I was like, I already have the person I want to spend the night with. I'm going to go do our thing. And then uh, maybe a little Netflix when I get home and I'm going to be very happy about it. I don't need to be up to four in the morning anymore.
1: Well, you know, it's hard being married. You know, I, 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 I want to stay out late, you know, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, hook up with, Rand. I don't want to end up on some comics futon, you know, but I, I do miss, you know, I, sometimes I do feel like I'm missing out, you know, because I got a little bit of a, of a later restart, you know, in my, you know, my mid thirties. So I feel, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. You know, I think as, as a woman, I've, I've been treated very, very respectfully, um, I think cause I taken and I think is that people know I'm married and because I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I don't think anyone deserves to be treated disrespectfully. So I'm not going to say what I'm doing right. and Anyone else is doing wrong. because I don't think anyone's doing anything wrong, but, um, I've had a pretty nice experience, um, thus far. But then again, I haven't tried to make very many inroads, um, at clubs yet. You know, I've, I've been kind of taking things a little slower because I'm, I'm more of a writer and I'm trying to break in, in, in. Do more writing stuff, but um, but I've heard gross, gross stories. That a lot of my female comic friends say that, you know, bookers will bring them in and they'll it'll it'll just be super. It'll be it'll be they'll, start, they'll be very flirty and gross and creepy and lots of comments. You know, and it, it just sounds it, it doesn't sound very appealing. But at the same time, I'm also older and I don't get intimidated in the same way, which is a good reason to get started when you're older because you're so dead inside that fewer things bother you.
0: Now, that statement is way too true. <laughs> <laughs> I was having lunch today. True, it's really true. And and my coworker was coming in about a client we're gonna be working with, and just telling me about this long, awful, awful history of family secrecy, silence, and sexual abuse, and just stuff that would make any normal person cringe. And the entire time I was eating pizza, and I'm like, wow, this is really good pizza. Whole Foods, huh? Two bucks? Oh really? Oh the grandfather? Uh huh. And the whole time I was just focused on the pizza. Like I'm so desensitized to bad things
1: like that. Like oh whatever. But so if, no, because that, that's such a funny time with pizza. Um, when when I used to work at CBS News, um, which I was, it was, it was a, a really great place to work. I worked at a, i I've met a lot of nice, really great people there. But um, so we had this thing that you know when a school shooting or a plane crash happens, um, you know, it, it meant you had to work through lunch, right? So we knew if we worked through lunch that they would order us pizza. So we started calling it tragedy pizza. We would say we, it's just totally totally true. We'd say, well, you know, it's like, oh, like I feel so bad that you know. That that nursery school got shot up, but you know, but you know, we got pizza coming. So and we and it started to get to the point because there were there was always some sort of school shooting or some sort of awful thing that I started to associate this like pizza with with tragedy and sadness. So I, I started to have a Pavlovian response to tragedy and pizza. So I get a little misty. Every time I take a bite, <laughs> into a pizza. I hear that uh, you guys,
0: you news people had a sense of humor, because how else do you do that job? Oh,
1: you know, it, it, the, the newsroom absolutely positively prepared me for comedy, without a doubt. The, the, the gallows humor, you know, the quickness, you know, you have to be, especially the daily news, which I, I only worked for for three years, and I worked on the website, but it was really, the, the, there, there were times I spent there where I, I don't think I'd I, I met funnier people you know, and sick, real sickos, you know, like how they would just, because you, you have to, It's even though that there's so much less crime now, even though that's not what people will have you think, but there's so much less crime, you know. Yeah,
0: isn't that like the world the safest point, the safest it's ever been?
1: Absolutely. If you look at the stuff that was happening in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there's just more talking, there's more news. There's more news. It doesn't mean that there's actual more news happening, right? So I, I think that,
0: that's a fair statement if we did quotes that would be one
1: for the show yeah it's just because you I mean there's more outlets it's it's available to you all the time but honestly like murders are an all-time low you know you we know, don't I, I don't know, there's all kinds of bad stuff happening, but if you read what was happening in the 60s and 70s in New York, I've mean, got the 80s and 90s, when I used to visit my father in the city, I remember in the 90s I had to go in and visit him, I walked through Port Authority, it was like the Walking Dead. People were like grabbing your ankles, it was like, ah, like it was, it was horrifying. And I'm not saying that Giuliani did a good thing, he's a piece of shit, but I'm saying that things Really terrible things. When we glorify these gritty times in New York, but they, they were awful times. But so to work through that, you, you have to have a good sense of humor. It doesn't mean that you don't care. Of course you care, but you can't walk around crying all the time because that's, that's no one likes that either.
0: No, I never saw New York like that. I mean, I grew up in Connecticut, so I was like two hours. I went there in sixth grade once for a field trip. I never seen Playboy stands everywhere.
1: Oh yeah, no, my uh, no, I'm so. My parent, my mother was born, um, born in the Bronx and my dad was born in Brooklyn, but he grew up in Queens and I used to go into the city and visit my grandparents. So I, I mean, the city, I always had a very sheltered view because I was always there seeing family, but yeah, it just, I, there, there's been a lot. I, I don't know. I, I think that I, I, times seem very frightening right now, you know, and I live in Queens, which is the most diverse. I, I don't know it's the most diverse place in the world, like it could be, you know, I, when I, when I, walk around my track, I I was once doing kind of a walk jog, and there was, like, two women in burkas who were, like, lapping me, you know, like, I'm surrounded by these people I'm supposed to be scared of, like, every day, and I'm not scared, because I know it's bullshit, you know, because you live in a, because you, because you know, I I don't know, like, I just, I feel like there, I feel, I, I, there's so much manufactured fear of crime, because you have to, the news cycle has to continue. It's 24 hours because you can tell if you watch the news. You watch CNN. You can tell when they're getting antsy for having no news break.
0: Just to show you a bunch of stuff that doesn't even matter.
1: Oh my God, that was that was. That's great. just well, that you, was, you know the same
0: thing. This is not my point because this is obviously ripped off in here. I've only heard this from David Simon. Like newspapers had changed when it came to the Wall Street format of like the print was just a. Uh, stuff in between to sell commercials, same with television, and that's what happens to 24-hour news, it's just, you're just selling, you're just selling commercials, that's why there's so many Republican debates this year, because like, millions of people watch it, and then advertisers spend millions, and the content
1: is secondary. Well, so if you watch, I remember, I had this, so when I worked, so I also so you used to work overnight shifts, which also make you completely insane, but, but I remember that during, the, I think the, how much, gosh, I'm so embarrassed, it was during the, the, the earthquake in Haiti, and I remember watching Wolf Blitzer, and they were so anxious to get a change in the death toll, just so they could break something new. Because they kept they kept cutting to the B roll of all this footage in the field, and they kept cutting to some like some expert. But they were just you could just tell they needed more news, they needed something. And I and I felt like and I got this because I was so overtired and insane. I started feeling like like the news was like Pac Man, just like gobbling up like news bites, you know. And if it didn't, you know, and and it just made it started. It's like they I saw Wolf Blitzer, he looked so relieved, like, yes, you know, it's actually hundred and ten thousand people are dead. Like, I don't think he was personally relieved. I just think that just to have something new to break, you know, and, and people were talking a lot about how how in Europe, the way they were covering the tragedy in Paris versus how they we were covering it here, how you know they were refusing to release numbers until they had confirmation and in in the US we just release numbers before we have confirmation because we have to get this before the competition we have to get it out there's this you know but there's this expectation that we demand it but i don't know if the audience really demands it i think you know i, I don't know it's me i I'm, i have a joke that the, that the situation room would be a lot more exciting if it had a trap door <laughs> you know <laughs> that's what i think I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand. First of all, I think the situation room is that funny. Isn't every room a situation room, really? Isn't the room I'm in right now? Isn't there a situation happening? I'm sitting on the couch, you know, my cat's here.
0: Hey, do you remember, like, the Boston bombing? Um, I, so I was, yeah, I do, I like, sure. I was working in the Mass at the time, and, like, oh. Wolf Blitzer and all these fucking dudes are trying to cross police lines, and cops are screaming at them because they're in, interfering with
1: the investigation. You know, I read this great book. I believe it's oh shoot, I'm so mad. It's called I think it was called the crime all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna after the show I'm gonna tweet at you. Okay, so it was this great book about this crime that happened in the early nineteen hundreds. It was about the newspaper wars between Joseph Pulitzer and William Randolph Hearst, about, you know, who could get the news the fastest and the most salacious news. And at the time the 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 journalists were better at investigating and had better investigation techniques than the police. So the journalists were breaking news before the police were getting things because the police were a little more backward. And the cops and, and the journalists all had bicycles, which was like a hot investigative tool at the time. They could get to places faster. And but now it's not like we need the journalists shouldn't be there dusting for DNA. And, but at the same time, you know what? Actually, I take that back. You know, Laquan McDonald, the guy who was shot in the back by the cop in Chicago, that was a journalist that uncovered that. He's the one that got that tape. So so, in the, so, I just actually, so I, I, I take back what I said, I ignore me, because there are, sometimes journalists have to do the digging. It doesn't mean they have to be on the crime scene. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's your it's your, state, it's your, place to uncover truth, but don't, you don't need a magnifying glass and to like, step on evidence.
0: <laughs> well, I think well, there's a difference of like, the CNN, Wolf Blitzer, just like show, or maybe not him specific, that thing, like recently San Bernardino, where they go into an apartment that the FBI had already gone through. Versus, um what the – I wish I knew the name of the journalist that did the Chicago shooting because that's, like, invested.
1: Well, they probably thought they got this big get. Well, the landlord let them in. They probably thought they had this big get, you know, and, and, and they're going to get screamed at by their by their boss if CNN got in, MSNBC got in, and they didn't. I mean, I, t- I understand why they did it. I, I do. I think they should have done it. Of course not. But do I understand why they did it? Of course I understand because that, that's – it, it's, it's an endless ratings battle. The, was there
0: the, oh, that famous Al Capone's thing – his his vault and they get in there and there's just nothing
1: right i think that was uh, that was Geraldo. that was Geraldo. oh uh, that's i love moments like that
0: oh. <laughs> we were talking online we were kind making fun of buzzfeed as i always do why i also read it all the time and there's like the problem not the problem the thing about buzzfeed is there's like amazing stories sprinkled with nothing but stupid quizzes
1: yeah, you know, BuzzFeed, you know, it's very interesting, you know, working in journalism for as long as I had, you know, you see, you know, journalists hop around a lot, you know, people, it's hard to stay at one place, you know, because there's there's layoffs, you know, there's changes in in management. So I've seen people go from, you know, go from Huffington Post to Bloomberg, you know, to BuzzFeed, you know, people just come wherever there's money and there's opportunity, you know, they'll go. And if you see at BuzzFeed, you know, they've hired some really fantastic journalists, you know, and I don't know if you saw the article that I sent you, the one called The Smoke, Called the Smoker about that fight on that naval ship between the black officer and the Jewish officer. Oh my God, that article knocked me out, and I feel so bad because it gets buried beneath the, the clickbait, you know. But so I think there's that real everyone. Everyone wants to be an established, credible news source, but it's hard when people only want to click on the candy. So it's very complicated. I don't know. I, I don't necess- I, I have my own theories about what what people should do to save the news, but I don't. But I'm sure you don't want to hear them. I'm sure you don't want to. Okay, good.
0: I'll tell you. Glad to have you on. Because like, I I always find that stuff interesting. Because like, you know, free press is the way to a free society, and it's being. I think it's we'll come out of it, but it has just gotten cluttered so much. Like, I was obsessed with The Wire, and like the fifth season was all about like the media. I was like, fascinating me. Like I just I I, when I went overnights, I would just stay up. I had to stay. I just stay up all night, and I would just fucking go online and just read as much more. I would get so educated on. Yeah. Well,
1: it's. You know, it is? It's, it's, you, you know, I remember when I was I worked in online and I sit with the new with the print guys and the print guys were really bitter and pissed off. And they'd be like, why are we giving away this news for free? You know, what, why would they buy the, the news for a quarter when they could get it for free? And, and, and we would say, well, the people that read it online aren't the same people that read it in the paper, blah, blah, blah. It's a different experience and so on and so forth. But in the end, all these years later, I really agree with them. I think giving all this news away for free is just like giving music away for free. It totally devalues it. And at the same time, you know, it doesn't matter. And everyone has the same news. You know, if you just look on Google Trends, everyone's reporting the same thing. So no one has a real allegiance to to getting their news from a particular outlet. So when I, in my day, you know, I was very obsessed. with like Sassy Magazine and with Spin Magazine and with Detailed Magazine, those are the, the magazines I subscribe to. And when you subscribe to something, you are part of a little bit of a community, right? You know, and you also got, you got, it sounds corny, but you got stuff. You know, you got the Spin Sampler. You got to see all the music that Spin thought was cool, you know, which of course was put together by their advertisers, I'm sure. But you, you were part of this, this group. And I think that you, they were like, you know, membership had its privileges, you know, and I think these subscription models, you know, I, when we moved away from that, but people but people say, well, who's gonna to subscribe to to this website? So well you're right, no one should subscribe because your stuff is terrible. You know, you need to have the kind of content that people can only get from you. So the reason why I like all comedians, I subscribe to The Economist. <laughs> because I click on um whenever I, I've clicked on a link from theirs on Twitter, I've been disappointed enough times that I can't read it because I'm not I don't have a subscription. And and I think that's a really big deal. And of course they you know the Economist is is a huge company. But they have amazing resources and and i I support them, and I support the New York Times, you know and i and and i I, I wish the Daily News kept covering the same kind of crime and out ad- of advocacy for for the homeless and for the poor. you know I mean, I would have subscribed to them too, you know, but it's it's I, I don't know if that ship has sailed, but I think people just need to need to suck it up and, and and pay for their news and I think there are creative ways to get people to pay for their news, and people just have to pay me. To do comedy and to help people sell news.
0: <laughs> well, it's what you said—the music industry and it's, it's, they're both basically two large institutions. And then change happened, and they just reacted poorly, and it gutted them from the inside out. Like, did you ever watch that documentary downloaded all about like Napster and the music? No,
1: industry? I I didn't. But I when I was in I but the, that whole Napster thing, I, it's, it's super interesting. I, I think. Initially, I, you know, it's, you know, it's very funny. As you get older, you know, you get a little more conservative about things. You so know, initially, I was like, whatever, like, what do you know? Metallica has so much money, like, what do they care? But, I, but as I see the ramifications for getting things for free and getting things cheaply and getting art cheaply, you know, I, I, I see now, looking back, that it really was the beginning of something terrible, you know. And I think, and I, I think if I had had, you know, when you're young, you don't have that fifty thousand m- mile view of things, but I see now that it was. You know that 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 it, it it's devalued a lot of really wonderful stuff. You know, but but then again, I have friends that's a lot. Of, I still have friends who steal. They steal because it, it's like who's worth stealing from? You know, and in then it's just like oh, the music companies, the record, they have so much money. But now it's there's there's never been more places to get music, and you don't feel and you still feel like you don't have access to music. It's very strange. There's this great article, uh, there was this book called The Long Tail, um, which, which everyone, all these tech people always talk about it, how, you know, you know, something, I, I'm not, I'm, not going to be a, a good explainer at it, but it was this idea that having all these different outlets would give more people exposure, you know, it would just take longer, and it would be fewer people, but more people would get it, and they're finding that it's, not, it's actually not true, it's just like the more outlets, you know, the sort of the le- like less, less news, less music, you know, it's, it's harder for people to find the things they want.
0: Hey, the one of the best parts of downloaded is like there's a part of how like Napster tried to like work with the companies to become like a legitimate music site like kind of like what Apple music came to be. Yeah uh, not Apple music iTunes and the RIAA, whatever they are. They all turn it down and then try to see their fans. And then it took oh. the, the tech company, iTunes, to make the model that the record industry did. It was just all about the record industry.
1: Cause everyone panics. everybody you know these, these old line people are very traditional. You know, they, they don't, because in their mind, like you're stealing, you know, like it's just basic, like something like, you know, my dad was like, like, you're stealing, <laughs> you know? So I understand, but I mean, but you, you can't, but suing your fans is very bad PR, right? You know, and, um, I, I've had a brief foray into PR, so I, I understand people's i understand the you know company's logic for doing everything i don't I don't agree with it and i think most of it's hard. but i i i try to i understand why people do things the way they do and i think it was a very bad move on that part just do you remember they were like suing grandmothers and they were suing children <laughs> you know and that was that's crazy you know it, that's you can't you can't do that to
0: artists. None of, and all of this of course is the music industry i, I like that stuff a lot and, I, and the music industry is still alive as well like i've had someone down here who worked for sony and like it's it does still exist, and as they put it, huh. all the fat cats are gone, and all the people who just love music are still there.
1: Did you hear that Adele has sold more CDs than, like, any other recent artist? And I think it's big, it's so interesting that she's, like, this, this this super age crossover artist.
0: But, you know, what they, did? they also did buy this album at Target, and you get three extra songs. Like, that's creative, Uh-oh. and that's what you need to do to sell a record.
1: Well, you know, like... It's very hard. You don't want to like be like one of those like in my day kind of people, but I kind of wonder, you know, you know when and oh, i sound so old. When I was younger, you know, we used to go to Tower Records, you know, and that's how you wasted that's how you wasted your time in my day, you know. And and you'd go there and it was a social thing, you'd listen to the music, you know, and that's how you discovered, you know, if if you had like a friend there had some like you know comic book guy type person who worked at tower records or whatever like you know they would tell you what was good and what to buy you know and you had that at, i had that at other music and um which was on bond street or great you know, i was on great jones street you know i have a comic book guy at uh at, at forbidden planet you know and i think that you you there's there's curation like itunes will make lists for you but you don't they're not really for you you know and there's there's um there's, um, what's it called? There's, there's artificial um, intelligence that could, has, you may also like, you know, that's how they create those. You may also like lists on Amazon, but, but it's not the same as having some person be like, Oh, did you like that album? You like that? Or you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, love this. You're gonna love this. And then you buying it, taking it home, listening to the entire thing, not just one song. And then you had to listen to it a whole bunch of times you had to, give, you had to commit hours. Remember you had to commit hours to an album? you know, and then, you, and then you're like, I listen to it, like, I remember, like, like Kid A from Radiohead, I, I, I guess I was in college, I listened to it, like, first I hated it, then I liked it, then I hated it, then I liked it, it took a weekend,
0: <laughs> you know? I mean, that's just about, like, the larger picture of just America, yeah. the suburbanization of America, where we're just getting rid of all, you're getting rid of the small record shop, the small comic book shop, the small grocery store, like, like, Noam Chomsky always speaks about that stuff, like, it's just fascinating to me, like, we're just giving up all this. Like, I live in Providence, which is, and you live in New York, which is great, but when you travel and you just go to these towns, they all look alike and there's no culture, yeah. there's no food. It's all Chili's, Walmart, fucking bullshit.
1: I had the worst meal of my life at Chili's. Yeah, I, I believe it. I had, I had a, my husband got chicken tenders that had been fried in the same oil as like fried fish. I've, I haven't gotten that taste out of my mouth ever since. <laughs> that was our engagement trip. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, you you know, you got to keep it romantic, you know, but, um, but it's funny, actually, small bookstores are actually, are are actually doing pretty well in New York right now because there is, because they are this, I hate this word is so puke inducing, but it's, you know, it's more, more curated experience The people that own the places. They really, you know, I think people, people do crave that. There's a lot of people in New York who really give a shit about books and art, you know, where I think it, it can support that. But from what I've heard, owning a bookstore is actually it sounds like one of those jobs, like a dream job. It's actually a, ho- a horrific job. <laughs> oh, I, I love, it. I, I wish, I live in a, a really cool neighborhood in Queens called Sunnyside, Sunnyside Woodside. And I wish we had a bookstore, um, but I, I don't think I'd have the testicular fortitude to open one.
0: The gatekeepers are all changing. Cause that is such the like, ah, oh, it's a comedy's a young man game. Like uh-huh. why is Louis C.K. become the biggest comedy, uh, comedian in the world at age like 45?
1: He's been around forever, you know. He directed Pootie Tang. I didn't know who he was. I mean, I, you know, I, um, I'm
0: not in the comedy world as much. I, I mean, I'm more now because I listen to tons of comedy podcasts. But like, you know, he wasn't that funny at 21, and he was so
1: funny. All, all my comedy idols are, are so. I think we talked about this last time before the, another thing. But like, my comedy idol um, was was Stevie Esman, who played Jeff Garland's wife on Kirby Enthusiasm, and she's um she is my okay because when I was young. Um, I, I don't know. I I was like, I was allowed, I was inappropriately allowed to watch a lot of HBO as a child, which is why I am the way I am today. And there was a special on HBO called Women of the Night. And it had, um, and it was like women in comics. And it was Susie Essman. It was, um, Liz Winstead from The Daily Show. It was, um, I think it was Joy Behar. Um, and it was, I think Judy Tenuda, who I thought was hilarious, but I was, you know, whatever. Um, but Susie Essman. So I'm from Long Island. I'm like this Long Island Jewish person, right? to see Susie Essman getting up on there and, and talking like, oh, my mother's friends talk. Like, like what's, like, you know, talking about shopping and exercise classes and how stupid people are, you know? Like, to hear someone in that voice, it knocked, it, it rocked my world to know that's that, that you could do that and be funny. So, but when you, but I didn't know that that, because that, that, she was the one that I kind of kept with me all through the years is like, if only I could be like that, if only I could be like her, you know, to be true to, my real background, I don't want to pretend I'm anything other than I am, you know, but be fucking hilarious, you know, my, and also she, my, she used to make my mother laugh and just anything that makes your parents laugh is immediately so much more valuable to you because you want to see your parents happy, you know, your parents are stressed out, you know, and she used to make my mother laugh, you know, and just like Jackie Mason makes my dad laugh, you know, I have this thing in my heart for Jackie Mason, you know, my dad loves, my dad's favorite Jackie Mason joke is, um, when, when I uh, goes. A Jewish still says says you know I can't you know like um I can't believe you know you know like I was wearing a short skirt and like you know and and that, that man thought I looked like a hooker and I was like I was like really I look like a hooker like oh like oh like thank you you know like I don't know I think that joke is so stupid but my dad thinks it's like the funniest thing but to see my dad laugh meant so much to me because he was very stressed out <laughs> um yeah anyway so. I, a lot of the female comics that I like, like I like Paula Poundstone, like these weren't really, I don't know if they were really cool comics to say you like, you know?
0: Because like, I remember loving the radio when I was really young. Yeah. And then like, listen to a lot of Garrison Keillor. And my parents were PBS, NPR kind of people, which yeah. I rebelled against, and now I'm like obsessive with podcasts and talk radio. I was like, damn it.
1: Did you, I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you something, so I used to, I never loved Garrison Keillor, I thought he was okay, but I saw Garrison Keillor live. At Chautauqua upstate oh uh, my friend a friend of mine was doing a reading there, and in re- the reality, what you hear on the radio is edited down to like an hour. it's like a revival it goes on for hours it's crazy it gets it's just it's endless it's just it goes on and i I. I it was well so it's, it was just me and like a thousand elderly people and it went and, and eventually we had to i can't explain it it was I, I don't like it anymore I've to, to sat through it for three hours it was like <laughs> torture. The voice is a lot to listen to for three hours.
0: But It's funny how, like, I feel like podcasting um, has kind of taken over, like, because, like, culture always just goes in waves, and then everyone's like, radio's dead, and now podcasting kind of came back around. It's like radio or podcasting is more alive than ever, and it's, like, it's storytelling, it's interviews. It's-
1: so many podcasts, though. There's so many po- You know, I have an idea for a podcast that I'm trying to work on in 2016, but there's so many podcasts. Who has- I tell my mother, who has time? That's my mother. Who has time to listen to this? Who has time to watch this stuff? To listen to it? What are you people doing all day? <laughs> but I kinda of feel that way now because I only listen to a few podcasts. I I don't know how people have time.
0: You drive at all?
1: I don't drive. I I, I take the subway, which is which is good good podcast listening to time. Um,
0: though, right? Like it's gonna get more splintered where it's like Adele's the only one making money. Like maybe 40, right, right, 40 right. podcasters make money and then the business people make money and then the
1: it's so a I, I like the version today. of the
0: guy at the bar who's playing an acoustic just because I
1: love it. Did you hear that Serial season two of Serial is starting today?
0: Yeah, it's weird. I
1: don't even listen to Serial. Isn't that
0: weird? No, it's
1: not that weird. I should. You know, it, it was it was really interesting, and then it, and and it, it had it had some problems. So it will be inter- interesting to see how they address they address it. But it caught this it caught a zeitgeist, which was super interesting. And I think that the idea of it of I think people, there is a thirst for this sort of thing, you know, it's like, a, why do you support serial as opposed to supporting, you know, investigative news in your in your newspaper, blah, blah, blah. But it was very cliffhanger. You know, it was very old school. It was like an old comic book. You know, it was like, tune in next week. It was very old tactics that were very effective. Yeah, I mean, nothing ever changes, you know, but sometimes those things work for a reason, you know, so I think that if something wasn't broke, you just moved away from it for no for some reason. Go back. Give it another try.
0: I just get so annoyed. Everyone's like, "Oh, you millennials," because I think we're tech. I think I'm a millennial, right? I think I'm on the border. I'm not. I'm still not sure either. I think I'm like a dead Man, with your Twitters and your vines, I was like, then why are like shows that are like hour long shows and podcasts and more popular, like a Breaking Bad or Jessica Jones, which I just finished, like more prevalent in my life now than it's ever been. Like, there's more one-hour
1: dramas on television that are actual good than I remember being when I was younger. I mean, they they, do, they want, you know, obviously for marketing reasons, but also, you know, I, I think that the reason why people hate your generation so much is because they don't know what you want. I mean, the millennials and Gen Z, because they're very skeptical of marketing and they're very skeptical of advertising. So they're impossible so it, it, they, that's why people shit on them so much. I mean, also, you know, there is, you know, like I, I've worked with some millennials and they do, they need a lot of handholding and they, they, they need a lot of, they, they, they have a lot of feelings. But then again, you know, I was, I don't think I was such, so great to work with when I was in my twenties. I think I was kind of an asshole. I had, I had one job where I had an office. I just used a lie on the floor and cry. Really? Yeah, that's a true story. I've never had an office again and I probably didn't deserve one. I did. I was, I, I cried all the time.
0: And every every
1: place I ever worked at, I, I found the handicap stall to cry in. Oh
0: my god! Now, is that true to comedy too? Now, do you have your, your cry places, or are you going to do that at home? You no, know,
1: I once told someone that I did comedy. Comedy has helped my self confidence and self esteem. And this comic looked at me like horrified. Like, what were you doing before? <laughs> well,
0: because anyone who just like just does comedy, like people who maybe get successful off of it and like whatever at a young age, and that's all they do, they do. act, I And mean, then I love comedy, but people can act as if it's the most important, hardest, self-worth thing. I'm like, look, it's really important.
1: It's an art, you know? It's, it's an art, you know? And it's like, it's like, it's like painting or poetry. It, it, it's, it's its own thing, you know? It's like being in a band. You get up and you play the songs you, you write, you know? Um, I, I think that I, I don't know if I could ever... I don't think I'm ever going to be a full-time stand-up comic. I don't, I don't know if that's my goal. I don't think it's what I want to do. But I don't know if I ever could. I, I think I need, I, I need to, to be around other people. I need to be around non-comedy people.
0: Well, I mean, there's very few full-time stand-ups. I mean, I've just known for stand-up, like, there's maybe like two or three that I could think of, but then like, all the good, even like Louis C.K. has a TV show, he's a director, he's like, you know, like there's a lot of others, you always need to have multiple things.
1: Well, he could live off a of stand-up, I and mean, he could, I mean, he could, he could do it if he wanted to, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but I think people, I don't know, I, 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 when I think of my dream life, it's, it's, I think it's more being in a writer's room. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I want. I, I think. I. I think. You know. I. I. This myth of like Tina Fey was very potent to me when I was younger. You know, this idea of like, being not having to to be the most beautiful, but to be the funniest. You know that. You know. I. When people tell me I'm pretty. It's, I, I know I'm just like, well, yeah, yeah, but if people tell me I'm funny, it means a lot more to me. I care, I care a lot more about that, you know, and I've always felt that way, even as, even when I was in college, you know, because I never really believed anything guys said anyway. But if, but you know, for guys that you're funny, he doesn't get anything out of it sexually. So it actually meant something to me. You know? <laughs> I have, I have, I, have, um, I'm very, I used to be very cynical. I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. I, I'm very, I have I have very it's not that I have low self esteem I, I I think I think I'm okay <laughs> I'm all right I'm all right I, I'm I'm you know I wouldn't I wouldn't eject me from the planet first.
0: No that, that's healthy though. Was there a moment that made you leave the job to start comedy or was it just like a long time coming?
1: You know actually um there was I um so I. I left journalism um, after Hurricane Sandy um, because this terrible thing happened in our newsroom um, at the Daily News where the whole paper got knocked out because of the storm. The the Daily News was located um, near South Street Seaport near the water, and the building was just knocked out of commission. So a lot of us were working from home and working from different places. It was very scattered, and I started to see what news was, what breaking online news was without my colleagues, who I loved, and I said, this isn't for me anymore, And I just, I couldn't find, and I just, I need to, I need to change. So I took a job in PR. I did that for a little bit just to get some new skills. And then, um, and then my husband and I were really, um, were deciding whether or not we wanted to have kids. And it was really bothering me that I couldn't make up my mind whether or not I wanted them. You know, I I was like, and I'm like, why can't I be normal? Why can't I be like other women? You know, why can't I, I want to want them, you know, (laughs) like I, why do I have to be such a freak all the time? Um, and then one day I just woke up and I said to Tim, my husband's name is Tim, I said, you know, I think if I wanted kids, I think I would know. And I think one day I'll wake up and I'll want them or I won't. But right now I don't. And I just want to stop torturing myself. And he said, OK. And I said, and if we're not going to have kids, I need to fill something. I need to fill a kid sized place in my life with something meaningful. And he said, OK. And I said, well, I'm going to go do comedy now. And he was like, what? <laughs> I said, I'm going to start doing stand up. And that's going to be my thing. And then, that, and then I went to my, my – I picked it up again in my mid-30s, and, and that's how it happened for me. So it just – well, one day I just woke up, and I said, this is what I need to be doing.
0: That's so inspiring, you know? I think <laughs> our generation gets that choice of, like – because it used to be, this is, like, you're born, you got to do this, this, and that. And I think it's – I, I would like, – listen, like, if you don't want kids, anyone listening, just don't have
1: them. Yeah, it's all very personal, you know? It's, I think there's more than one way to be a mother. I, I think I'm a very maternal person. I have nieces that are like the best, you know, my friend's kids are the, the best, you know, I'm not a kid hater. I just don't have, I don't have a biological urge. I think one day when I'm older, I think I might want to be a real mentor. I might want to foster. I definitely want to, like if someone said to me like, Lindsay, you have a choice, have a baby of your own, um, or help a transgender teen study for her SATs. It's not even a question that I would pick the teen, <laughs> you know, that's just where my heart goes. It's just, it's it's,
0: and I feel bad because women get it so much worse, like there's this like pressure on you that you have to do this, and like no one has to do anything like we get that we get that luxury by growing up where we grew up in this country and like
1: I mean my parents you know it's very funny my parents are are were, were very they 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 really thought it was important for women to have like a real career, so they were very you know they really wanted me to do well in school and they really wanted me to get a good job and they were they pushed me to go to grad school, but they've never pressured me to get married, they never pressured me to have kids that's awesome. Well, I, I think that they just they couldn't lie to me and say that it was easy and great, <laughs> which is I shouldn't be insulted. But, but no, they were just very honest about it's just it's just not it's it's not the answer. And they and my mother was so funny. She's like, she's like, I'm not going to have to raise them like you have to raise them. It's your decision.
0: I mean, hey, if you want them. Like I I mean my wife we want kids and that's but that's like
1: something we we know and they're like good And if we didn't we wouldn't and I just don't think anyone should pressure anyone to make a life decision that doesn't affect them. Well it's so easy they do it You should just do it. It's so easy to tell someone to do something, you know? Just do it. This one I met this woman, okay, this my friend's mother was she she was said to me, She was like, Are you the one that doesn't know she wants to have kids? And I said, Oh yeah, that's me And she goes, Do it, or you'll regret it. She didn't even know me. I could have been a murderer. I could have like mur- I could have been. I could have been like a molester. And she's like, "Do it. You'll regret it." Who tells a stranger what they'll regret? I love when that happens. And it's like, you don't know my life. And because people just talk, they don't care what they say, they, and everything they think is a pearl of wisdom. I sound You know, they, they'll just be like, "I'm going to tell you exactly what I think," and then when you go through with it, it's not my problem because I won't even be there. I won't even remember your name. I don't even remember. Your name. And it's also like, oh, it's easy for me because. I hold a gun to your head. <laughs> I didn't tell you to have that kid.
0: My husband is a billionaire, CEO, whatever, and I stay home and raise him. It's really easy because that's going to be your situation because you don't have to give anything up.
1: Well, it's just I don't know. I just don't think it's easy. And my friends who have kids, my friends are all my, my female friends who have kids. They're doing such a great job. They're so smart. You know, they're they're really juggling a lot. It's not easy in New York. It's very expensive. And I have and, and whenever I see them, and they do try to get away, and we do try to hang out together. And I always tell them, you know, because I think there's, it's it, I'm the one that never had kids, and I'm the one that has this crazy life where I go out and do comedy, you know, and I'm trying and, and I think they, they they think they feel a little weird around me sometimes. And I tell them, it's like, I am so in awe of you guys. It's not, you're the one who has the responsibility. I, I, don't, I couldn't do it. I, I bowed out. I, don't, I can't take responsibility for another person. You know, I, I have an inner child that's very demanding.
0: <laughs> and co- so now comedy is filling your void. Um, is that like a, and, um, how long have you been doing comedy now?
1: So I've been doing it, so I, I, I did it for a while when I was younger, so now I've been doing it straight for about two years, a little more. Oh, wow. Pretty new. Yeah, no, this is it. I mean, I don't know if it's, again, I'm not sure if it's going to be stand-up or if it's going to be more writing, but that's, that's it. That's, that's, that's for me. Um, I have, you know, I have a day job also, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm a freelance writer Um, and I'm a corporate writer. So I have, I have income coming in, you know, but, you know, it's also helpful when you, when you have a partner who, you, you know, my husband is also a writer. He's a very talented writer. He writes for the Atlantic. He writes for a lot of popular mechanics and he and I have been able to take turns, um, he freelanced for a while while I held down the fort and now, um, he's holding down the fort and I'm freelancing for a while. So it's very nice to have someone who can support you, you know, like that, you know, and if we had kids, we couldn't, that would be harder. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but people never say to me, I know people say, Oh, don't people always say, you know, Oh, why don't you have kids? I'm like, they don't really. Cause they've met me. They're all like, you made the right decision. People who know me just say, you're doing the right thing, and I'm like, and then you get a little insulted. It's like, what do you mean?
0: People just need to stay away from the most sensitive subject in life.
1: You know, it it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me because I don't. Just it just doesn't. Like I'm when I say like when I say I'm dead inside, it's I. It sounds like a bad thing. I just don't take it personally. People just I you know, and if you're and if you say it in a confident way, then people fuck off. You know, if you say it's not for me. You know, just say, you know, I'm more of an aunt. I believe people, you know, and, you know, and then, and then, and then people keep talking to you just, just to say, I just don't want kids. Like, it's just not for me. people just, you can't let it, you can't take it so personally. People just, you know, I know people's parents pressure them. that can be very hard, you know, but, if, but that that's different. But if it's just your friends, tell them to go fuck themselves. What do they care? They're Maybe they're jealous. They're jealous because, you know, being a mother is very difficult. And being a father is very difficult, you know, and they just, they want, they want, they want you to join the pity party.
0: Do you,
1: do, you want, uh, do you listen to Jen Kirkman? I know. I, I've listened to some of Jen Kirkman. And she talks a lot about the pressure she's felt to have kids. Yeah. I haven't felt very much pressure at all you know and i think that and I, which and i don't know if i'm just not hearing it or but my parents have always said like it's up to you it's 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 your choice they just they couldn't lie and say it was easy and fun my mother-in-law who is one of my favorite people said you know cuz she has three amazing talented sons and i asked her what she thought and she said she thought about it and she's like she's like Lindsay you know having kids and not having kids they're they're both valid paths i can't tell you which one to take that's a very beautiful thing to say, you know? And so I said, you know what? Good people. It's nice when you have
0: good
1: people in your life. Yeah, I do. I have very good people in my life. And I just think there's more than one way to be a mother. And I don't understand why you, I don't think, I don't know if it's a self esteem thing. Like, I don't think my brains are so important that I need to pass them on. I don't think I'm so great. I think my husband's great. And I, would, I, you know, and my husband's really good at math and science. So it might be nice to have a smart kid, you know? But, and both of us have dimples. So it'd be nice to have a dimpled kid but did all our reasons for having my, my reasons for having kids like well who's gonna take care of us when we're old right so i just think well i keep really good tabs on japanese elder care robot technology <laughs> and i'm i'm betting the farm on on you know having a japanese senior robot take care of me do uh, do you
0: do uh stand-up about not wanting kids
1: I do a little bit of it. I, I'm starting to do more about, you know, the importance of being an aunt, you know, and how, you know, you need someone in, in your life who looks out for you, but isn't a narc, you know, <laughs> someone who, like, will be like, like, did I just catch you smoking? Give me those. Give me that. And the lighter. You know, <laughs> you know, someone who's going to be like, like, like my aunt once saw I had a hickey on my neck. And she said, like, what are you doing with a hickey on your neck? Put, put your hair down. And she didn't rat me out. But she said, "Don't get hicky Like, what do you do with a hickey, you know?" And that's at this moment of like, they care about you, but they don't want to get you in trouble, you know. And I, I think I, that's the role that I want to be for for the youth of America. Least, yeah, you know, like you need to be, People need someone to care, but not. I don't know. Like, it's it's not easy being a parent either. You always have to yell and say no. I don't want to say no to a kid. I'll give them all the candy they want.
0: The Daily Show or like Last Week Tonight, that kind of stuff, because you could stay in New York and like.
1: you're... Yeah, yeah. That, I would love it. I'm also working on. I'm trying to work on a book proposal. I've got a lot of silly stuff I'm trying to work on. Yes, I got a lot, lots of stuff in the fire. But um, I don't know. Stand up is wonderful. It's my dream to be funny, to be a funny person to funny people. You know, I don't know if it's my, if it's my, if if I am the person that's going to be funny to to tourists. You no, know, not the tourists don't deserve to be made to laugh. They should, of course, they deserve to be made to laugh. I just don't know if I'm that person. But my dream is for people to be like, oh, you, you know. Lindsay's really funny. You want her on this project, but she's also very expensive, but you, but you should pay money for her.
0: Yeah.
1: That's, that's always the dream. That's
0: the dream. <laughs> Say again? you You, uh,
1: like you set up your own shows as well. Yes. Uh, so we have a fantastic show next week. It's our holiday show. Thank you for bringing it up. Uh, it's it's uh, if you just check us out at a uh, Twitter comedy, sunny side, um, we have Mark Norman. We have Dave Feldman, we have um, Car- uh, Carrie Cadet, who's on the nightly show with Larry Wilmore. It's going to be a killer Christmas show. It's a $10 show. It's going to be fantastic. We have lots of prizes. Um, that's in Sunnyside, Queens, so ha- so uh, comedy Sunnyside. Um, and then next year, we're moving it to a monthly show because uh, me and my comedy partner are tired. from doing a weekly. <laughs> Do you guys go out of your way to like highlight the more, more diversity in comedy? Absolutely. If it's in Queens, it has to be diverse. I, I, I think that that has made our show a success is that people who wander downstairs will always find a reflection of themselves on stage, whether it's a person of color, whether it's a woman, whether you're, you know, you're gay, you're always going to have, you know, you're Muslim, you're, always, you're, you're never going to have all one kind of person. And I think that's, that's the key to the best show is if you don't like the one comic, you'll like the next one. And I think that, that, that I just believe that firmly. That it's not, it's it's not even just, it's not diversity for diversity's sake. Like, fuck that. It's just, it's better, better comedy. You know, you just have more of a chance of finding the comic you'll like. And then when, whenever I poll the audience, who is your favorite? It's always someone different because everyone likes different things. The women usually like the woman, you know? I always ask the bartender who she likes. She has great taste. She's not like, she's not a big comedy fan. She's not like, you know, she's not, you know, the super intellectual, but she is but she knows what's funny, and it's it, it's never, it's very rarely, you know, it's, it's just, it, I don't know, it's always someone different. It's
0: like if you go to a club and ask, like, like, like a music venue and ask, like, the, the sound guy who they like, it's never what you expect. You yeah. know, you see something it, enough, it kind of wears you down.
1: I just never understand why you wouldn't want to have a few women or a few people of color or, uh, on your lineup. It just doesn't make sense for your audience. Like why wouldn't you want to appeal to as many people in your audience as possible? I, I just don't get it. It doesn't mean that only black people like black comics. That's that's. that's I'm saying that you never know what people are going to laugh at. Just, so it's just just it's, 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 mix it up. Give your audience a chance to laugh at more things. That, that's all.
0: No, you're right. In, in comedy, sometimes is super segregated. They have like these like race nights. So like they have like usually a funny name that's slightly racist. Like a comedy club. will do like Chocolate Sunday and like shit like well, that.
1: I mean, yeah, whatever people have to do is sell tickets. I mean, I, I, it's, you know, it's, it's very funny. You know, I've only done two shows in front of an all-black crowd, and one I bombed, and the other one I did just okay. But you know, it's, it is interesting to see. You know, you learn a, you, you learn a lot, but other people struggle. You know, you know, and I just, it's, I feel very honored to be able to just to like sit and listen sometimes, like you know, because you are being. Exposed to someone's struggles in a way that you, you, you wouldn't know unless you had the chance to listen to it, you know, especially when they're talking to people who understand or come from, when they're come from this one comic who's super funny. His name is, um, Rallo Bo- uh, Boykins, Rallo Boykins. From, I think he's either in New York or DC. He did this great thing. He was so funny talking about how he has to change, um, change his voice, make his voice higher. And friendlier when he goes in for job interviews. He's like, I can do Excel. I can do Word. I can do whatever you want. You know, it's like, I'm not dangerous. I'm not going to steal. And it was the audience was laughing, but it was so painful. It's like, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine I to change your voice? I never occurred to me. I would ever have to change my voice for a job, you know, and you just feel like, wow, like I'm really, I don't know. Sh- I don't know shit about anyone's struggle. You know, I, I, I'm just so lucky that I get to just listen and appreciate how people's lives are so different and just, just not and just say nothing it's like wow I have nothing to say except just like people are amazing and life is hard
0: oh man well thank you so much that was the uh that was a full hour yeah thank you so much for having
1: me that was super great
0: and I if Jimmy if you're listening sorry we didn't talk about you enough
1: no we brought him up we, 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 said, we said hi to Jimmy hi Jimmy um yeah
0: sorry that we lost that first episode
1: no I, I'm glad I feel like I was much smarter this time I had, you know, I had a beer and a half before, and I'm, I, I, I like I, I'm, the, I'm the biggest lightweight. I, as Jimmy knows, if I have like, two beers, I'm on the floor. So funny
0: because like I, I, can't drink at all. And the night we did it, like for some reason, I couldn't hear you guys, so I probably wasn't saying anything good. I was just
1: like, what are you saying? No, no, I'm glad, I'm glad because I was. It was funny. People find you online and stuff. Oh yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, you can find me at Lindsay Goldward on Twitter. L I N D S A Y G O L D W E R T on Twitter, and I'm also on, on the Facebook. Um, I don't have a webpage yet, but I'm working on it. And uh, the only thing I regret uh, you guys missing was uh, Jimmy. Uh, he he was so funny. He was trying to tell you how great I was, but he kept interrupting me, and, he kept, and I said, stop mansplaining me! <laughs> that was my favorite. I'm like, no, that was really funny. He's like, Lindsay, you don't know that you're great. I'm going to tell, you you, tell him that you're great. I'm like, I want to say I'm great! <laughs> awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much. I'll let you know before it goes
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so much fun.